0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Mark Andrews. Mark, what's
1: going on? How are you? Jim, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited about it.
0: Dude, I am really excited about it. You're going to start the day for us. Let me get your thoughts on the season that just happened. Another really grit and grind season. You guys were busted up. You played without Lamar Jackson for the final month of the year, yet you still won 10 games. You still get to the postseason. As you look back, what thoughts do you have about the guys in the locker room and the season you all just had?
1: Um, you know, I think for me, just looking at the team that we had, you know, you look at our defense and, um, you know, how dominant they were, uh, we had an incredibly good team. I think offensively we started off fast and we kind of tapered off throughout the middle of the season. And, um, you know, but I was excited by, you know, what we put out there our last game. I think guys fought real hard. Um, I think you look at that game, we should have won that game against a good Bengals team. And, you um, you know, I, don't, I think that there's, you know, a to improve. And I think we're going to be able to get there. You know, we, right. we have a great team.
0: I was going to say, excuse me, when you talk about how, you know, we probably should have won that game. A loss like that, what do you do with that? I mean, how long does that stay with you? How long do you process that before you move on to the next thing and put it behind you altogether? together?
1: Uh, you got to you got to use that as fuel you know everything you do everything you do in life is is fuel so um, remember that one um, grow from it and, and let's get better
0: well I mean I'm so glad you mentioned the concept of fuel I'm curious I mean obviously you are really in tune with your physical game you're really in tune with your technique but what about your mental game like what's your process and program de- for developing everything from the shoulders up
1: yeah you know I, I, it's a lot you know, I do a lot of meditating you know thinking and um, I'm a visualizer so especially a football it's um, I'm visualizing the catches, the plays, uh, doing things the right way, you know, the night before, or the, during the week, and uh, making sure that, you know, I'm on point with my head and visualizing and, and everything's good to go.
0: I always say man, the most important muscle. Like if you're a pro athlete and you have body as temple, man, you're, you're worried about every muscle, but there is no more important muscle than the brain, right? Would you agree?
1: 100%. You know, that's, that's spot on. Everything you do, um, all, your, all your actions are, are, are done through your brain. Mark Andrew is joining us. You mentioned about the importance of doing things the right way.
0: And then you have the Raven way. All right. I've talked to so many Ravens over the years. They always talk about the Raven's way. How would you describe what that is exactly and what's it mean to you to be a Raven?
1: Um, You know, being a Raven, I think, encompasses a lot of things. You know, one, we work very hard. Uh, we work hard, but we do things the right way, which means that um, every day that you come into work, you have a purpose. You, know, you have an intention of um, of getting better. Um, you know, you know, being with your teammates and, and just grinding, grinding away because um, the other teams aren't, aren't going to outbeat us, aren't going to outwork us, and um, we, you know we're going to show them on Sunday that you know when you come to play the Ravens, you got to be ready.
0: Raven Mark Andrews joining us. So the team already took a big step for next season by locking up Roquan Smith. He gets his extension. Business is business. This can be the most ruthless business. How do you see Lamar Jackson's contractual situation playing out with the team moving forward?
1: Um, you know, I don't know too much. Obviously, that's that's the. They didn't consult <laughs> you on that. No, you're, the, you're not a part of the negotiation. I'm not a part. You know, right. if I if I was, you know, he's, I'm I'm giving what he wants. But um, you know, that's a business part about it. You know, and, I, and I'm confident that they're going to be able to figure that one out. I know that Lamar. Um, wants to be a Raven. You know, he's passionate about that, being a part of this organization, and um, I know they feel the same way about him.
0: I'm going to ask you one more thing about that because I know you're probably thinking, man, why does everybody ask me about Lamar, which is fair, but everybody's going to ask you about Lamar. Let me ask you this. What kind of headspace do you think that he'll be in if they don't work out a long-term deal and the team hits him with a franchise tag? Uh,
1: That'd be tough, you know, but there's one thing I do know about Lamar is that um, he's an incredibly competitive person. Um, He has a lot of respect for his teammates, and... um, yeah, I mean, he's just—he's a guy that, that likes to win, hates to lose. So um, if he's there with the Ravens next year, um, it's all good for Lamar.
0: I mean, dude, there, there have been some amazing players. Almost nobody starts and ends their career with the same team. I mean, can you imagine him in another uniform?
1: No, I can't. You know, he's a, he's a Raven. You know, he's a Raven for life. He's, he's meant for the purple. Mark
0: Andrews joining me here, first guest on Tuesday. You know, you're no stranger to the Pro Bowl. I, I got to ask you, what was that experience like for you this time around with the new format? How did that go for you personally?
1: I thought the format was good. You know, I, the skills game were fun. Uh, I got to play a little dodgeball, which I had a good time at. I got out kind of early, but um, I had a good time. I think I think the flag football game was a good, you know, implementation to to what we were doing instead of the game. You know, I think guys that. I enjoyed that part about it. It was less stress. You don't have to worry about you know hitting and doing all those sort of things after a long season, so um, I enjoyed it. I got to spend time with family and friends, which is big for me. All
0: right, so what about dodgeball? You're not one of those guys who turns into the dodgeball bully that targets the weak guy, the guy who's not
1: really good laterally, the guy who doesn't have great movement. You're not that guy, are you? No, no, I'm more of a catcher. You know, I want to catch and get somebody out, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had fun. All right, so what about the flag football game? I mean, it's the main
0: priority in the Pro Bowl, of course is to get selected everybody wants to go to the pro bowl yeah. but not necessarily play in the pro bowl is the flag football aspect a good alternative to it
1: i think it's sticking yeah i think that's something that's going to stick for a while i think guys had fun um like i said there was no stress it was, it was just guys flying around having fun and um, enjoying the game
0: all right so let me ask you about the matchup this weekend for instance travis kelsey is putting up video numbers again right mm-hmm. i mean he had a career high 110 receptions he had 12 tds obviously his two plays in a great system he's got an incredible quarterback but in your opinion what makes him one of the best ever like what's the foundation for his
1: skill set and there's so much to it you know the just the way they seize the game um he's so good at finding spots but he's also an incredibly good man beater which is tough to it's tough to guard a guy like that because you play zone on him um, he's a guy that just can kind of feel his way through it and, and find a spot. And him and Patrick are, are on the same page at, at almost all times. So um, you do that, and then you're like, oh, we'll, we'll just play him a man and put our best guy on him. Um, have fun with that. Uh, right? yeah, have fun with that, man. He's so special, so good. Um, and he's doing it year and year, year after year, which is just incredible to see. Um, and again, he's having an incredible year this year and just doing his thing. It's awesome to watch him.
0: I mean, how, when you talk about him doing it year after year, isn't that the most important thing, consistency? Yes. Consistency. How um, impressed are you with how consistent this guy is and again great system great quarterback but you got to do the work.
1: Yeah I mean I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody else other other tight ends numbers could really touch you know what he's done and how, how consistent he's been but um, yeah just a lot of love for, for his game.
0: All right so what about this weekend do you have an early lean what do you think the game is going to come down to
1: what are you most interested in seeing. I think it's going to be a close game You know, I think both these teams are incredibly good. Um, you know, I know that you know probably Patrick Mahomes is, is hearing all this talk about how he's hurt and and um you know that they may not win because he's hurt and and I think he's going to be able to use that and um, as motivation to motivate that team, so I think they're going to be you know hot and ready to go. Uh, one of my best friends is Orlando brown, so i'm I'm kind of rooting for the chiefs
0: okay so do you think on that offensive line i mean you know philadelphia is coming after the quarterback we know this they're deep they're athletic they're explosive they're dangerous they get to the quarterback we know this do you think casey can have any kind of consistent success blocking them up front how do you Uh, see that matchup in the trenches
1: um i think you you put it the right way that's a physical d-line they're up front They, they, they charge vertical and it's tough to block that but um that O-line for the Chiefs is a good is a good O-line, you know? So I have, I have a lot of respect for them, and I think they're gonna get the job done.
0: I think so too, and Patrick Mahomes, the one thing you don't want is a Patrick Mahomes with a chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. like as if that guy needs any more
1: motivation. That's a scary sight. Uh, right, mm-hmm. right?
0: I'm always amazed at you guys, especially when you're already at the highest level and you've already, you know, frankly, you've made so much, you have so much. How do you guys, main, how do you get that chip? I mean, do you have to create chips that don't exist? Where does that fuel come from? Uh.
1: You're always <laughs> looking for fuel? Always, you always gotta look for something, and I think, especially at this stage, and especially- Dude, Do you at this
0: make st- stuff up? I mean, do you look for something and just make stuff up? A lot of fuel? times
1: people make it up for you, so that, so you don't need anything like that.
0: <laughs> it's actually <laughs> funny. There's another part of the fuel. You're partnered up with Rockin' Protein, no lie, dude. I Look at me. I need more protein. Tell me if this is where I need to go to get it. And what are you doing with those folks? Jim, you
1: gotta, you're going to have to try it out. It's so good. So it's, Rockin' Protein is... Did you bring me any? Uh, we have some for you. Okay, we good. Have some for you. Yeah. Good. But it's it's my go Free is me. <laughs> it's incredible. It's uh, it's my go to protein drink. I, I've been using it since I was in high school. Shamrock Farms is, is a locally local um, Arizona-based. Um, and, and so I've been using it forever. It's a... Uh, it's very smooth, and it tastes amazing. So uh-huh. that's that, the biggest part about it is all these protein drinks are, are chalky. This, this is not that. It's high source protein, tastes amazing, and it gets me to where I need to be when I train and do all those different things. All
0: right, so when you talk high source, how many grams of protein are we looking at? Per bottle, per
1: serving? What? Yeah, so there's three different types. There's the Builder. Um, the Builder has, um, I believe, 30 grams of protein. It's lower, uh, lower carbs, so it's kind of like before you work out. Um, and then there's a rebuilder, um, which is, you know, after the workouts, two to one carb ratio, it's got 20, 20 grams of, uh, protein and then 40 grams of carbs. And then, uh they have this like caffeine one it's got about i think it's like 20 grams of protein but it's it's perfect uh, for i'll the be morning. using that one yeah. <laughs>
0: actually yes my question mark i was gonna say do i use it prior to working out i'm more i'm throwing the weights around less and less yeah. more and more cardio mm-hmm. but do i hit it before or after i think you just answered the question it's all both. the time all it's the both, time right? protein
1: is incredible you can't you can't have enough of it and especially when you get high source protein like this it's why wouldn't you do it it's only gonna help your body out so where do they go to get it um, it's an all convenience stores. Any convenience stores um, is going to have these have, have, have rock and protein.
0: So before you go, I mean in addition to that, you are what you eat, body is temple, 100%. that's your money maker. Like, how do you approach nutrition? As your career has evolved and you know that you wanna rest, you wanna recover, yeah. you don't want the inflammation. Obviously, you gotta
1: know everything you're putting in your body. How do you approach nutrition overall? Well, being a type one diabetic, I'm ultra, ultra aware of, of my nutrition. So, um, since a young age, I've been able to kind of fine tune how you know different foods react, how I feel with different fu- uh, foods. And so, um, I'm constantly thinking about, Um, you know, what I'm putting in and, and so I can get the most out. And so that's big for me.
0: You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. I don't think that a lot of people or everybody knows that you are a type 1 diabetic and you've lived with this essentially your entire lifetime. What was it like when you found out as a youngster and how did your parents react to it?
1: Yeah, I was nine years old, and uh, my symptoms were I was going to the bathroom all the time. I'd be in a soccer game, and I had to, I'd have to go to the bathroom five times in one half. And, um, you know, my dad, being a doctor, saw all these symptoms, and um, I remember going into, you know, the waiting room after, you know. Was he I,
0: really concerned? I mean, as a doctor, and he saw the symptoms? Extremely. He, OK. Yeah, this
1: is the first time I'd ever, I'd ever seen my dad cry. And, um, wow. you know, I knew, you know, at nine years old, you don't really understand exactly what that means, but, um, you know, I knew something in my life was going to change forever. Um, but, you know, I have an incredible family. Um, and incredible support staff behind me, and they've helped me throughout, this, throughout everything and um, helped me to get to where I need to be.
0: So let me ask you finally i think that there are people listening i guarantee there are people listening who are dealing with this as well and are getting inspiration from this you it obviously worked out really well right i mean whatever you had to do you did and you've made an amazing life for yourself was there
1: any point ever during that whole process where you thought why me oh all the time yeah. you know i don't know if it's all the time but it, there's definitely that question of why me and so that's you know one of my things of, of having the stage this pedestal of playing in the nfl is Um, I want to show these kids and families, whoever's dealing with type 1 diabetes, that you're not alone. Um, You're not alone in this fight. And it is a fight. It's a 24-7 fight. So just know that still, it is all time. It's it's, it's nonstop. So um, just know that just keep on going. Um, Keep on working hard. Keep on taking care of yourself. Your health is the most important thing. And, um, yeah.
0: Great, great message for everybody. A tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, five years in the league, putting up huge numbers and appearing today courtesy of Rockin' Protein. Dude, I'm usually not this guy. I don't want to ask for anything ever from anybody, but I want some Rockin' Protein. Gotta have Maybe leave me some if you could. Yes, sir. That'd be great. Really good to see you, man. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover discover will help routinely remove your personal info like your name and address from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data and they will do it for free activate in the discover app see terms and learn more at discover.com online privacy protection anthony munoz joins us big dog what's up how are you great jim how you doing that's
2: always good seeing you here 25 years see- about 25 years i'm going to say yeah. about
0: 25 give or take a couple yeah
2: i was that's saying a- It goes fast. Um, This is my, you mentioned the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 25th year this year. Incredible, right? So what do you do do with that? Does it feel like 25 years to you? I feel like life used to go on. It was pretty consistent. Then all of a sudden I looked up and I'm like, where did those 10 years go? i agree i totally agree it just flies by i mean it's amazing how fast it goes you know i'm, I'm 64 i'll be 65 and i'm like wait i thought i just got to cincinnati at 21 it's like but no it happens and you just roll with it and have fun and i'm thankful that i can do the things i, I do and you know it's just but it does fly by in fact i have uh, nine grandkids and one of them incredible. young man incredible what's <laughs> that yeah, like the best is that the best thing ever oh the best uh so one of them was nine years old. He's fourteen now. He was nine years old. To your point, we're sitting at dinner one night, and he goes, "Poppy," he says, "I've been thinking." And I'm like, "What have you been thinking?" He says, "As I get older." He's nine years old. He right, goes, right. "As I get older, these days are really going fast." Dude, he oh,
0: that's at amazing night, that he and did I'm that thinking, nine.
2: Wait, wait till you get old like me, then they really fly by. What bothers
0: me even more than how fast the days are going is that he's got a better perspective on life (laughs) at nine than I do at 58. That's incredible. That is amazing. Uh, You know, you mentioned 25 years since you went in the Hall of Fame. Listen, I would imagine you have bonds with everybody you played with all the way up. I mean, Pee Wee, high school, college, the NFL. You have bonds that you can't recreate. I'm curious, though, what about the bonds with fellow Hall of Famers, guys that maybe you didn't go to battle with, maybe guys that you didn't go up against. It's the most exclusive fraternity of all. What are your bonds like with those guys.
2: Well, it's amazing you mentioned that, because this last summer I had a a high school buddy. We played football or baseball together. I've known him since junior high. Him and his wife were traveling. Well, they came and stayed with us. So there's bonds from high school. College, I go back to, to LA, and there's this past summer, four linemen. Get it, four linemen and spouses, our four wives, all four offensive linemen we met as freshmen at USC. Just hung out together for four days. You Cincinnati Bengal guys, 40 to 50, still live in Cincinnati. But the difference with the Pro Football Hall of Famers, Didn't play with them, competed against them, but the instant camaraderie, the instant togetherness because of the respect of what we did. You know, people say, hey, the first time you saw Bruce Smith, did you guys talk to each other? I said, far from the truth. I said, the first time I saw Bruce after we both retired in the hall, handshake and a hug because of the respect we have for each other. And of course, you know, as we get older, we lose guys and uh, just lost a guy that I've known since my playing days and uh, competed against him a little bit before he retired just an amazing individual Franco harris uh, got to know him really well but that's happening more and more but i tell you what i still pinch myself when i get together with those guys we'll have a luncheon with i think 50 hall of famers here at the the super bowl get to go out and play golf with 20 of my fellow hall of famers tomorrow and it, it is just amazing because we did not strap it at one time in the same locker room other than maybe a pro bowl mm-hmm. and play together in a division rival game or anything but the relationships are just like crazy great
0: man i'm so glad that i asked that question that is really fascinating what about franco like i've told this story on the air i grew up in los angeles strangely enough diehard laker fan diehard dodger fan but it was in the mid-70s when I finally hurt, saw the NFL, I was addicted to the Steelers. Terry Bradshaw was my guy. What about Franco? You say he
2: was a good friend of yours. When you think about Franco and the way he played the game and the man that he was, what kind of thoughts come to mind? Well, first of all, you talk about the Steelers of the 70s. Now, you have to understand, my rookie year was 1980, right after they beat the Rams in Pasadena for right. their fourth Super Bowl. So my first game against the Steelers, I look across the line of scrimmage, Dwight White, Joe Green, LC, Ham, Lambert, Blunt, Shell. My first thought is, Anthony's do I linebackers, right? Do I Lambert, get, Russell? Yeah, oh yeah, do I get autographs first, and then we play? <laughs> and then I look at their offense. They had you know Rocky Blair, Franco Harris, Bradshaw, Stall, one. But Franco, I met him in the late '80s. We did a camp in Riverside. Huh. Ronnie Lott, myself, Matt Millen. And Franco Harris, I got to take him home to my mom's home cooking, and I mean, the guy was is just That's always amazing. been amazing. And even through the days of competing with him afterwards, he's always asking about what's going on. You know, I have a foundation. How are you doing with the foundation? How can I help? And, and you know, not long before he passed, I saw him, and he's just the kindest, and just would give you the coat off, of just the most gentlest guy that I've ever met, uh, but he was a special guy. Salt of
0: the earth, man. A real guy. Anthony Munoz, Hall of Famer, joining us, and we're going to talk in a moment about what he does with the Hall of Fame. I got to ask you this. Like, I'm a huge, because of my generation, my age, I'm an enormous Joe Montana guy. So much so that I've never really ever compared anybody to Joe Montana until Joe Burrow. Like, I think these two are the most cold-blooded dudes I think I've ever seen. You faced Montana and the Niners twice in the Super Bowl. Is it too soon to compare Burrow to Montana, or is that kid that good and have that much it? So, first of all, you bring up a sort of—I'm O
2: for Montana. I know this. And my I know. I didn't, I didn't want to say that. Yeah. But, uh, no, respect for the man. Um I really don't think it's too quick to start the comparisons. But then on the other hand, give it another year or two, and I think they're going to start comparing young quarterbacks coming out of college to Joe Burrow. Right. He's that, not just because he plays for the Bengals, but every aspect of who he is on the field, off the field, the guy is he's got it. He, I mean, to me, my first interview today was with Boomer Esiason and all of us would still run through a wall for Boomer. He had that swag that people call it arrogance or cockiness. Now, it's just confidence. And he brings the other guys to play to his level, and that's what Joe has. I mean, I, I love, I enjoy so much watching him play because, first of all, I watch a lot of body language. You watch him, and you know when he scores, he gets excited, but you would never know when he throws a pick because he's not a guy that's demonstrative. blah, oh, blah, blah, point. He just comes back after a pick. And you know he's going to lead them to 80 yards and a touchdown or throw a long pass to Jamar Chase and score. The guy's just, like I said, ice in the uh, ice veins, water. The guy's amazing. I love watching him play. Anthony, in terms of body language, what's really interesting to me is what you just said. Do Do other
0: guys in that same locker room pick up and feed off of body language, be it good body language or
2: bad body language? I believe so. And let me just share a story. I have Please. nine grandkids, uh, four of them, and my daughter and her has been living with us right now. They're building on our property. So I got two older grandsons that play all kinds of sports, and they're gifted. Two daughters that are you know, granddaughters that are playing sports, and then the, another five. The one thing I told the two boys, 11 and 13, I said, do me a favor. Watch Joe, and you're going to get enamored by his ability to read defense and throw him. I said, but watch his body language throughout the whole game good times, bad times, I want you to watch him because that's an example of how a leader carries himself on a football field. And to your question, guys react to that. Guys can feel that. I mean, they they, they read that, they feel it, they know that. And when you have a leader that said, hey, we just threw a pick, let's go, we're, we're going to score. The guys are, okay, that's good, no problem. He doesn't throw guys under the bus uh, when, you know, Boomer didn't throw me under the bus when there was times he should have or his lineman. but we just go back and then we discuss that in film session on Monday. And that's what I see Joe doing. He just, but yeah, guys do, they, they feed off that. Are you
0: craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So what about that it that that thing that you can't really describe what it is but you know this dude's got it coming out of his ears and you know it when you see it can you teach that it or guys just wired for it like where does that come from
2: well you have to understand his coach was as you know right coach as a kid he played football and he had i mean he was drilled that way he was brought up that way he was coached that way and i think a lot of times you see kids that have that background of coaches fathers being coaches or maybe fathers that played in the NFL and they've been around the game, they have a tendency to kind of be taught that way, and I think that's where it comes from, Joe. I mean, you watch, they show a lot of high school highlights in Ohio of his high school days, because he is from Ohio, and you're like, this is a high school kid doing that? (laughs) It's like, and you can tell the guys just rally around him. So I think it's something that you, at times you can be born with, but it has to be taught and coached that way too. Maybe so. This dude, per, end of the
0: day, he's special. He is just ah, special. This yeah. is a different dude. So you're not only in the Hall of Fame, of course, but you serve as the Chief Football Relationship Officer for the Hall of Fame. Anthony, what does that role entail? What are you focusing
2: on? Yeah, so uh, never in my wildest dreams that. I, that- believe I'd be not only a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame but now an employee and it happened this past summer uh, we have a new president Jim Porter who's doing a phenomenal job he's been in the job a little over a year uh, and uh, doing some great things with the Hall and uh, so the, the board decided to create this new position where they would get somebody hire somebody to work right alongside the president It would be the chief football relationship officer of going out and really establishing some relationships that might not be there that really should be there NFL owners not that they've been bad but pretty much non-existent, so we've been making a tour of meeting owners and just not asking for anything, but here's what's going on with the hall. Here's some long-term goals for us, planning for us, and corporate partners, meeting with them and representing everything about the hall, of course, representing my fellow Hall of Famers, who I love all of them, the staff, the board, the city of Canton. Of course, we have to understand, people say, why in Canton? That's where the football birth, man. That's where it started. Sure. Uh, so I'm really working in, it's being created and formed as we go into it. But uh, I'm loving the position. I mean, I tell people at the time I was 63, first time I'd ever been interviewed for a job. <laughs> and I'm first like, time you okay. ever had a job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, think I I think I'm excited about this. So uh, when my name, when I was being nominated, I decided to, to you know, to really have my name in the process of of hopefully getting the job. And, after you know looking at the job description there are things i've been doing for the last 20-25 years so i've felt comfortable in relational you know relationships with corporate and media and you know being a national spokes guy for the the hall not that i'm the face of the hall because we have 180 some guys that are live and we're all the face of the hall but getting opportunities like this to just talk about the exciting things that are going on at the hall like you know working with uh, you know. Uh, improving the, the the footprint of the black college hall of fame within the pro football hall of fame working with gallagher and associates to really go from a 1995 museum which is a great museum but bringing it up to 2023 and we're doing that because you know i love leather helmets but i'm not sure that you know high school (laughs) kids love leather helmets you know they want the interactive the technology so doing things like that (laughs) there's no speaker in a leather helmet you can't communicate through a leather helmet (laughs) but you know just doing things like that and uh so a lot of exciting things and then you have the museum but then you have another entity the hall of fame village which is building around the hall we you know eventually have a water park a hotel right now we have a ferris wheel we have retail we have a a, a bubble we have you know tons of youth fields bringing in young people so a lot going on up there so it's i'm excited not only to be a hall of famer but to be involved in the process of what's going on i'm going to say
0: this as a friend i'm excited to see you this excited you obviously have purpose and you've got a mission and it's a great great product and great thing really appreciate that before you go since the chiefs just beat the Bengals, does that make you an eagles fan on sunday (laughs) how do you see this one
2: playing out there's a game on Sunday. Yeah, believe it or not, my man. <laughs> no, you know, I look at I look and they got an excellent football team, and, you know, we had opportunities, and they just, you know, they took advantage of their opportunities. Uh, and, and one of the things, it was kind of like when the Chiefs played the, the Buccaneers. Early in the week, I'm saying Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs. Then they lose, what, three linemen, two linemen? I'm saying Tampa Bay because Mahomes is going to be running for his life. Both offensive lines are really good, but I think the Eagles might have the best in the league. So I'm giving the Eagles – the advantage because of their offensive line, and I, I think in the close game, the Eagles are going to win.
0: So, really quickly, as somebody who played the position as well as anybody, when you look at that offensive line, what kind of thoughts do you have? Guys that are f-
2: big, physical, uh, are athletic. I mean, you got a six-foot-eight, what, 340-pound left tackle who's been playing football for five years, Maleda. and then you got Lane Johnson, who's amazing at right tackle. Then you got Kelsey, one of the best centers, and, and you know, so that's why they can pass block, but the thing I continue to say is you can throw the ball for 5,000 yards a season, but you still have to be able to move people out and run the football. Both these lines can, but I, I give the edge to the Eagles. Well, last time, we know Philadelphia can
0: run the ball. They're very good at running the ball. Do you think if Kansas City needs to run the ball, they can?
2: They can. I think Pacheco has enough energy and has enough. I like enough, him, don't you? I do like him. I love his energy and I love, he's a hard runner. He's a hard So I think they can. But uh, I think uh, I still I still give that edge to you know to the, the Eagles.
0: I hear you. Anthony Munoz joining me on the row. He is a Hall of Famer. Not only that, he serves as the Hall of Fame's Chief Football Relationship Officer. My man, it is so good to see you. Great so good you. to get caught up. And you know, I appreciate you very much. Uh,
2: thank you. Always good seeing you.
0: This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Thomas Dimitrov is a former NFL GM, good friend of the program, and the current CEO of the analytics company Sumer Sports. He joins us along with Eric Eager, who is the VP of Research and Development for the very same company. Fellas, good to see you both. Thomas, what's up? How are you? Hey, I'm happy to be here. Always love the energy. You too, dude. You yeah, too. Yeah, I'm excited. So break it down. Let's jump right into it. What is Sumer Sports and what do you guys do?
3: So it is a roster optimization element. It's a, it's a cutting edge, algorithmic approach to building rosters in the NFL. Our focus is the NFL teams right now. Of course in times that can that can grow. We have close to 30 data scientists and engineers. It's growing fast. There is not a team out in the NFL that will employ that approach and put that kind of resource into into their data program. And we think at Sumer Sports we can be that augmentation tool for the general manager and the team builder, the head coach and the owner and we're excited where we're going.
0: All right, so Eric, when you first of all, well, how did you end up there you- you have a background
4: for this type of thing what did you like about the company and why did you come aboard yeah i, I was research and development vp at, at pff before right. and and we had built what i would say the first step of football analytics like better evaluation of players can you you know give you know make wins above replacement for offensive linemen can you evaluate quarterbacks better but there's always this aspect of football's not baseball, right? Everything's interconnected. If the left tackle is poor, then that's going to put strain on the quarterback and that might make the quarterback look worse. And so what we wanted to do and what what was enticing to me was, you know, having a former general manager talk me through, you know, being able to sort of optimize a roster from 1 to 53 and we have tons of really smart people that are sort of, you know, formulating that problem together and and watching as football evolves and we evolve with it. So what's incredible to me, Thomas, how much the game has changed in terms of- a
0: roster building since even you were roster building. How dramatically different is it today than it was even 10 years ago?
3: Oh, it's so different, and it's moving so fast, and you have to be aggressive, Jim. You can't sit on your hands, right? And I've said this, criminally underused data out there. You get good football people who can augment with something like this or just in general. We don't even need to talk about Sumer. In general, the data is there. You can be so much more informed by your moves and your approach. And these these guys out there right now are trading like crazy, right? It is not for long. We know that. It's more not for long than ever. They know it. Hey,
0: by the way, how long is it for now? I mean, it, it's it's incredible. Guys, how about this? John Robinson getting fired
3: during a winning season who had a great track record with the Titans. What was your reaction to that? I was outraged. That's probably strong. But 7-5 and, and done what he has done, obviously there was something falling apart within the org. And that's, we know that's important right you have to have a good relationship with your owner and your head coach i'll be interested to see how it all plays out look i'm happy for Rand carthon Rand goes there he was a part of the atlanta falcons uh, world at one time he goes there to be the gm uh, with mike vrabel and they'll do some good things i'm sure
0: so eric where do you come out in terms of like building rosters can you still develop players i mean can teams still work through the draft and develop their own or is the sense of urgency so great right now that people just don't have patience for that anymore
4: well that's such a great point because i, I kind of call it a potato chip league right you draft and if if a guy doesn't do well in the first two or three years, it's, it, you know, you can just get a cheaper guy in the draft, right? And the, the 2011 CBA gave such an edge to teams, not only at the most important position, quarterback, where Jalen Hurts is out here making a, a million or, or two dollars, right? And you have Patrick Mahomes making, you know, 45, 46. The bar for Patrick Mahomes is so much higher than that for Hurts. And once Hurts gets to that money, have, have they done a good enough job? Because a lot of times, you know, when, when guys are on rookie deals, you spend all your energy – hiding a player as opposed to developing them, then when they make that money, it's, they get exposed, right? And, and, and that's why teams you know, that have the great quarterbacks, the, you know, the Bradys, the, the Mahomes, is all the AFC title games from 2011 till today included a Brady or a Mahomes, right? That's why those teams are more resilient to things than the teams that are sort of like churning and burning at positions. And we want, you know, obviously what we can do at Sumer Sports is, you know provide insights into where development is possible where development you know offensive line for example a lot of these guys they get to year three before they're even playable and you've already wasted you know two or three years of their rookie deal and so then you have to overspend in free agency and again those are not going to be a surplus value so it's a really hard problem that, that we're, gonna, we're tackling here.
0: Thomas Dimitrov, Eric Eger joining us. We're talking about their company. It's funny, Thomas, that he mentioned 2011. Of course, many fans know that that was the year that you were looking to pull the trigger on that enormous deal to get Julio Jones in the draft. You called your mentor, Bill Belichick, before you made that deal. What did Bill tell you?
3: He basically said, "Look, you're going to be carrying this for the rest of your career. Are you sure? And, you know, of course, we, we, it's written, if, "If I were you, I would not do it, of course." Now, he, he wasn't saying that about Julio as a player. He was just saying, "That's a big move to make for a wide receiver for a wide receiver, of course. And, uh-huh. and yet I, people ask me right now very quickly, Jim, sure, would you have done that if you had you know again, if you had something like this, and I would say, I would have made that move. I might not have made the move to sign him in the the third contract for all the money we did because what, what these algorithms do is provide the opportunity to really juxtapose what you're thinking with what the true value might be of the trade.
0: Fact of the matter is though, and you did that when this type of thing is not that unusual right about now. I know you love your life. I know you love what you're doing right now. But being that you were so far ahead of it and that you did something which is now in vogue, you were a believer back then. Do you want back in and a seat at the table to see what you could do in this current environment?
3: Well look, I, I continue to think about how it's evolving from a from a from a quantitative side. And my eye my mind being so much more open, being around people like Eric, the intelligence and saying there's a better way to approach team building and i'm very curious of how my approach would have differed as front end that i thought i was now knowing that much more i think it would be a fascinating uh, journey
0: for sure eric in terms of team building like philadelphia it's incredible right two years ago they won four games they fired doug peterson they come back last year, they win nine games, and all of a sudden they're back in the Super Bowl. What does that say about GM Howie
4: Roseman and what he's done in rebuilding that team? And by the way, how did the guy do that that quickly? Yeah, I think for for me, it's you you look at not looking at sunk costs, right? So you have Wentz, you just bought into Wentz. Of course, though, now they have the choice to buy into Hertz or not, and and he doesn't work out, and you move on from him for you know pennies on the dollar relative to what you you spent on him. You even look at Jalen Reger, Like we were we were just hanging out with Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman's laughing over getting Justin Jefferson after Jalen. Rager. Rager, Rager doesn't work out. They just trade him for a fifth-round pick to the Vikings. They just write it off. And when you do things, and the Eagles are one of you know one of my former interns is one of their analysts, and like you know you look at their process, and you're like this is a process that I think you know Sumer Sports is trying to put to every single team. But you look at their process, and when you have good process, loss, wins and losses are just part of variance, right? And you can just write off Jalen Rager as a loss. You can write off Carson Wentz's loss. Whereas with other teams who are maybe not as analytically inclined, maybe they have too much emotion to every decision, and they aren't willing to you know you know press when the edge is there and and cut off when when the edge isn't
0: all right so thomas to that point like the 49ers are really aggressive really aggressive but in terms of a sunk cost if you were them what would you do with trey lance what do you think they'll do
3: well i, I think they know what they have in a, in a really interesting upcoming quarterback and by the way was described the closest thing recently to joe montana i heard that from do you, do you like that comparison? Well, I I obviously looking at how cool he is in the pocket and where he's unmoved. I think it's so important in this league to be able to deal with that, right? We'll see. Year two is always different, right? We have so many smart D coordinators in this league. The next year that comes back, you can talk about it in New England. These D coordinators will rip the heck out of some of these quarterbacks the second year. They get to know what they're about and they know know the nuances of these guys. My personal opinion is, you know, they're going to continue to grow with two guys there and I think it's going to be an interesting battle uh, they've said publicly that no Garoppolo, right? Is that yes, correct? Yes. Yeah. So they're going to no, be dealing with it. Of course they
0: said that last year. Yeah, and, right. and Jimmy <laughs> said goodbye. And Jimmy had a very warm, fond farewell for everybody. And then yeah. he came right back. So you never know, right? Never never, never say never. Right. Eric, where, what about the Rams? Like, I know, Thomas, you're tight with Les need I love Les Need. Believe me, this guy's incredible, I think. That whole F them pick strategy, <laughs> it worked. It worked, right? They won it all, and it worked but they cratered this past year. My question then is, how long is it going to take for him to rebuild it? And given the pressure that we're talking about here, will he even be around to finish that
4: rebuild? Well, I think that's the real question because it's so easy to put all the stars together, right? And they have—they actually have really good analytics around, you know, keeping players healthy, which is part of that stars and scrubs approach that they have because you're you're not replenishing with young players all the time, especially not high-end picks. I think. You know, they're probably going to have to bleed out for a couple of years. This is a division that has the 49ers. This is, ha- you know, Seattle is up and coming this year. Arizona's a little bit down, but I, I think that they're going to have to probably. You know, pr- get past the Stafford, you know, uh, era in in LA before they have success. Which, you know, by then Ramsey and guys like that are going to be a little bit older. So it's going to be tough for them. I think they knew that this was going to be the thing going in though, and and luckily for them, they 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 bought in in a year 2021 where a four seed could win a Super Bowl, right? And 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 a, they were facing another four seed, and they faced a six seed in the NFC title game. So it was it was good calculation on their on their part, and you know they're paying the price now. Much you know, think about like the Florida Marlins back in the day. They're doing ex- <laughs> exactly what happened there and and those teams have to bleed out for a while and that's okay Yeah, did you
0: i mean we saw this coming we knew there'd be a price to pay the bill was going to come due did you ever think you'd see the day though that jared goff would be a more effective quarterback than matt stafford i understand injuries are injuries
3: but did you see that categorically no right and, and i and i watch categorically it, unequivocally yeah i i just think about it and i watch that and yet i come back to you know, the, the, the systems that are around and how what you put around your, your quarterback and how you approach it and how you know it's up to the builders to know the strengths of that guy and how you can make him thrive. I believe that. I'm not putting so much on the coach, but it's paramount. If you have a coach that is willy-nilly and doesn't understand his players and doesn't understand the nuances of the positives and the, the elements that they can bring to the table and they're just throwing out, they're so focused on their scheme I think they do. They do a complete disservice to their to their talent and their quarterback. So,
0: what's more important to you, having a coach that you're on as a GM, yeah. having a coach that you're on the same page with, or having an owner that you're on the same page with? And who's tougher to get on the same page with?
3: I would say it starts with the owner, and I and and yet, of course, the quarter, the the, the uh, head coach relationship with the GM is so important if you're going to get things done. But you have to have the man who owns the train set. You have to have him in line with you as a GM. We were very fortunate in, in Atlanta to have it that way with. Dan Quinn and myself and Arthur um, But there were there were complications. There's always complications, right? It's it takes a lot. When these when these guys make decisions to go to teams, i.e. when you're talking about you know what happened in Denver, I didn't I never thought, who am I to say this? I thought Sean Payton was going there from the very beginning. He, is, he loves football. I take this the right way. But when you're in your late 50s as a coach, you're thinking about your empire too, brother. You're thinking about going into the Waltons. You're talking about growing and learning, of course. You're talking about building a championship team. But you're also thinking, I need to be able to bond with this ownership group come hell or high water. That is vital for me as a coach.
0: Interesting. Like Eric, do you think when Sean Payton goes in there, I think he's a hell of a coach. I, I hold him in the highest regard. Is he thinking about that gigantic, paycheck and getting back into it or does legacy factor in at
4: all? I think he looks and doesn't. You know, uh, Vince Lombardi. No one remembers him in Washington. No one remembers George mm-hmm. Seifert going one and fifteen in Carolina. Everybody like so. He goes there. The tail is fat as the statistics would say. Like if he goes there and he resurrects Russell Wilson, he brings. You know, that franchise has not beaten Kansas City, the team in this game Sunday, since 2016. They have not beaten them. You know, for you know, bunch of years in a row. If he is resu- that not
0: good? <laughs> is <laughs> that not working?
4: <laughs> if he resurrects this franchise. He he's a legend, right? If he fails, he's just going to be another coach who struggled in his second, and, and no one's going to remember that. So I think that's part of the calculus, and then I think on with respect to Denver as a whole, this is where rich owners can have an edge, because when you trade a bunch of picks for a veteran player, it comes at a cost to your salary cap too, and that's what, you know, the the, tr- the trade-off between uh, variance and, and cost. When you don't have a cost, when it's effectively zero because it's a rounding error to the Waltons, then you're paying all those first-round picks to four- to you know, in a very, very certain way, an offense with a guy who's had a proven track record. And that to me, other than drafting a quarterback high, which they're clearly not going to do, that's the second best thing to do to your quarterback is get a coach in there who can elevate him and help him elevate those around him. So finally, Thomas, what do the analytics
0: say about Russell Wilson? I mean, it would seem to be. Pretty apparent that he'll play better. They'll get more. Sean Payton will get more out of him than they did last year. But how much more, and what do the analytics say about Russ?
3: Well, I I mean, look, you have the coach. If there's one coach who's going to get it out of him and pull him back into the mainstream, so to speak, and get him back on the rails. To me, it's going to be a guy like Sean Payton, and I think that's paramount. I mean, now, again, remember, Sean comes in doing what he's going to do, but that wasn't his move. It was George Payton's move, right? They come in together. There's a little less pressure. I remember when we came in after Michael Vick, I was talking about to someone the other day about coming in and feeling like there wasn't that wasn't hanging over my head and Smitty's head back in the early or 2008, right? This is not the same, of course, but similar being that it's a big decision. There's a lot of big stuff talked about. And Sean Payton comes in there with that kind of rolling off his back. He's going to make the most out of it. If there's one guy who can get it done, it's him. The analytics in my mind, and, and that's that's obviously his uh, Erics, Eric's uh, Ballywick, I really believe that he's got to take another year Get him out of the office, so to speak. Put him there as what he is a leader of of football players and make sure that they are on in sync and that team believes in him again. That's going to be vital for them to survive.
0: So, Eric, really quickly before I let you go, is this going to be exclusively an NFL product or as the company
4: grows, will you go beyond that? I think it'll go beyond that. I mean, there's just so many soccer, college football, there's basketball, you know, is more developed than football, but there's just so many avenues. I mean, there's so many, you know, different approaches and these games evolve so quickly that we're never going to solve football we're just going to solve this version of it and it's going to change because you know anytime you observe something it changes it's
0: a great conversation thomas dimitrov eric eager joining us and they are a part of the company sumer sports appreciate you guys very much great to have you on the show thanks so much always good thank you it's good time thank man. You. good time hey now are you craving some protein after a good workout of course Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So, this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out? Rough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the clear view bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones. Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Garrett Blunt is my guest my man what's up how you doing
5: I'm good man I appreciate you guys having me on man it's always a pleasure I'm a big fan
0: well, good to see you I'm a big fan too so listen you let me start right here because you played such a physical punishing brand of ball and while you gave as good as you got you probably had to pay the price for every single yard you ever gained how are you feeling these days and what's your life been like since you stopped
5: playing um I feel I feel really good um Dealing with obvious, just little pains here and there. Um, that just comes with the game and, and, and 20 plus years of football on your body. Uh, but I'm living great, man. I can't complain. Uh, the family is good. You know, my son plays football, my daughter cheers. Um, you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is living great, man. I got a, a five year old that is, we don't know if he's going to play basketball, football, or whatever, but we're we going to let him follow his dream. So, how old is your other son, and what's it like for you to watch him play? He's 13. Um, it's amazing to watch him play. It is extremely fun, um, you know. Me being the coach, you know, his head coach and, and play caller, it, it always it always plays out, you know, well for for him uh, on that matter. Considering the fact that uh, His old man, it, is coach. Yeah, and 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 he knows that if 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 he does anything wrong or if he shows any signs of. of of a bad mentality or getting discouraged, you know, he'll be standing over there with me reading the plays off the play call (laughs) sheet. So he knows that, man. He he works hard. He works really hard. um, No days off mentality. Um, he loves to work out, loves to go catch the ball. Man, he's a great kid.
0: Do you coach him hard or do you treat him like everybody else or maybe
5: coach him a little bit harder because he's your son? I coach him I coach him a lot harder. Yeah. You know, um, I expect a lot from him. Um, I want to see him grow. I want to see him emerge. I've seen uh, a lot of things um, inside of him that he can be a special football player. Um, and he has he has a great group of kids around him, quarterbacks, tight ends. He has a really solid football team, and um, we have a really solid program. So I'm going to try to ride this all the way through high school. Maybe I can get into one of these high school coaching jobs.
0: I like it. LeGarrette Blunt joining us. I think a lot of people look at your career, and they don't really remember how it started. Like, dude, you've had an amazing football life. I mean, you started your college career at East Mississippi Community College. Yes, sir. You were undrafted coming out of Oregon, yet you finished with three
5: rings and a rushing title. Looking back, does it all seem a little surreal? and almost unbelievable it is um, looking back at it it is it is it is it's hard to believe that i've come i've been as successful as i am considering the fact that i've come um i've been through so much um you know obviously at oregon going through what i went through um you know just just a whole bunch of different things that i've been through in my life growing up Um, so you know it is it is it is nothing short of of a you know a blessing to be here um, and and being able to talk about it and and have the success that I've had over the over the course of my career, so um, it's still hard to believe, man. But but I can't I can't say that I have not worked hard to get here. Hell no,
0: no, you've earned it. You earned like I said, you earned every single yard. You know, you followed up the two Super Bowl wins with the Patriots by winning a third with Philadelphia when they upset New England. I was talking to Bill Romanowski on the show yesterday because. Well, he's Romo. I love Romo. Romo also won multiple rings. He played with the Niners. He played with the Broncos. He played with the Raiders. But he said the Philly fans are the greatest fans he's ever seen. What was it like to live and play in that city when you won the ring?
5: Ah, uh, um, the it is it is it is you can't compare it to anything. Um, I can't compare it to any other ring that I've won. Um, and considering the fact that I you know I I had a good game. I scored a touchdown. That was the only sc- the only uh, Super Bowl that I've had a touchdown in. I had almost 100 yards rushing. So. I mean, of course, this is going to be my favorite one. And and being greeted in the city that has never won a Super Bowl, it's like no other it is it is it is it is truly amazing to see and be a part of cause, uh, and, and having those you know having people shut down everything and and being able to have the kids there you know not that you know obviously kids going to school is important so go to school but you know having to be a part of it and having the whole city be really a part of that and you know getting off and shaking hands and doing all those good things um it is, it is second to none so for instance when you go back
0: do you spend much time at all there and when you go back as one of those guys that was on that team who had a good game how are you embraced
5: man i i am i am embraced wholeheartedly yeah Hell um, yes. wholeheartedly um you know with with much love i mean all the way to the point to where you know when i get off the plane in philly you know there's people there i don't know how they ever find out that i'm flying there or when i'm there but they're you know Usually, there's there's a handful of people there job, with some, with they some know. pictures. They and, make you know, their job. They ends. know. Yeah, yeah, they know. They know, and it, it is it is crazy because I I try to keep you know I try to stay as private as I possibly see, can be, considering the fact that my life has been on camera the entire you know entirety of my life is with football. So I try to stay as private as possible, but. uh I can't complain, and I can't say that I don't love the fact that they love me, dude. Were you kind of. <laughs> what are you gonna do about that,
0: man? If they love you, they love you. That's, that's interesting. What you just said. Were you kind of more of a, a shy guy, an introverted guy? Like you were about the game, the process, your teammates, the structure, but all that other stuff, the bright lights. Could you have done without that?
5: Yeah, I could have. I could have definitely done without that. Um, you know, I, I I stay I stay. I have a a, a really close um, knit circle. Um, And, yes, I do have, like, a lot of friends that are on the team. Um, You know how it is. Mostly guys that are in my position group. So all the running backs, James White, Dion, Brandon Bolden, you know, all those guys are the guys that I really stay close to and close-knit with. But for the most part, um, outside of my teammates and my team, um, I'm a pretty shy guy. I mean, I I don't like being in a crowded area, none of that stuff like that. Uh, my teammates are my brothers and my family, so I'm not really shy around those guys. But for the, you know, if it's if it's me and I'm out in a, a, a setting and these guys aren't around me, then it is it is, it raises the anxiety a little.
0: I got you, man. I really respect that. that's a really honest honest answer. You keep your circle tight. I get that. So I mentioned you're doing some work in the cannabis industry. You have your own company, LGs Feel Good. How did you first get into the business? What is the company's mission
5: statement? What are you looking to do? So I first got into the business. Um, Later on in my career, um, I, I obviously throughout my career I, I did take like the pain pills and the things that you know that help you be able to play and this that and the other, and um, I just started hearing more and more about people. Hey man, this guy was hooked on these opioids after he got retired. This guy was hooked on this after he got retired, and this guy couldn't get away from this after he retired. And you know, hearing some of the guys that passed away because of kidney and liver and stuff like that that obviously comes with taking opioids for an extended period of time. I wanted to get away from that so i tried i tried a cbd um i tried some cbd when i was in the league Um, it didn't work too well for me i didn't like it much but i did like the idea how come um it just didn't last that long it didn't last that long it wasn't as effective Um, i did i did feel some of the effects so i could tell what it was supposed to do but it didn't fully work sure um so which which amped me to go to my 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 side of things um, I went and got some lab people. I went and got some testers I did. I don't know how many runs before I felt like I got it perfectly right. Um, and, and that's what kind of led me to here. Um, and that's what kind of led me there is just making sure these guys know that there's an alternative that, to, to pills and to um, you know, all kind of opioids that are, that'll affect you down the, down the road in life. This is a way to get away from that. This is topicals. These are things that you can that you can put on your body that'll never have a negative effect on it whatsoever. It's all natural, it's all organic, and it's 100% THC free.
0: But you know, see, the thing is, it, there's so much in that, right? There, there's so many different layers to that. You know, there's a whole culture of availability is your best ability. You do what you need to do to get on that field because if you don't, somebody else will be there. How do you change that? I mean, that that's not an easy thing to fix or change or address, right?
5: Yeah, no, it's not. You know, and and the best way to beat it, the best way to beat it is, you know, toughen up and, and some understand that some games you're not gonna feel 100%. There's gonna be some games where you're like, damn, bro, I, I really got to go out there and play, and I don't feel like playing, you know. And the crazy thing is, is playing the game is the fun part. Like the week of the week of work is is what people don't get to see and, and that's what we that's what we deal with. You know, that's where you get the nicks and that's where you get the the, the bruised knee and the bruised bones and stuff is that practice. You know, um, and and the game is the fun part and sometimes you don't wanna you don't wanna go play, you know, you feel bad or you know, you, whatever your mood is and, and you gotta be able to mentally get yourself out of that head space. Um, and some guys can't, you know. And we got a product for that as well. You know, I got in, I got some anxiety gummies that that work for that as well. That can that can calm you down in, in situations like that. So
0: let me ask you, and this is interesting. In terms of the product line, are we talking about just products for athletes to help them deal with pain management, or are there other products and benefits for folks from all
5: walks of life? One, I'm happy you asked that. So it is. I'm these, good at this, dude. That's these products. These products. So for these products are for everyone this is for a doctor this is for a stay-at-home mom this is for a construction worker this is for you know a coach this is for uh anyone that just walks around and deals with any kind of discomfort and pain we have we have the sleep gummies we have anxiety drops we have um a rollerball topical Uh, so we have pain patches that last 24 to 36 hours with transdermal technology if you get punched in the face and you put the patch on your shoulder the medicine goes to where the pain receptors are so we have we have all of these things and 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 we are excited and ready to just get all of this out there and let the world know that there's other ways to heal rather than taking pills dude i i I like to know that if i get
0: punched in the face there's a patch that will address that that's good to know (laughs) help me with this so if people want more information where do they
5: go to find the product they go to lgsfeelgood.com that's lgsfeelgood.com that's where the company that's the uh, website for the company and that's where all of the products are
0: i love that in fact you mentioned a couple of things that are actually interesting to me really quickly on the way out the door who you got this weekend what do you think it's going to come down to
5: I got Philadelphia. I think it's going to come down to the running game, but I got them winning by more than 10 points.
0: Okay, that's good to know. What do you think about that running
5: game? man? They've got three guys that can tote the rock. We know they're monsters up front. What do you think about that running game? It is unfair for teams to have to play against that because you have so many avenues of different runs. You got outside zone, inside zone, quarterback keepers, traps, Powers and the list goes on, and it's hard to it's hard to dissect that, and it's hard because their offense is so unpredictable, yet they're so efficient. And you got those guys that you know, Miles Sanders, 11 or 1200 yards. I love rushing. that dude. How do you feel about his game? I like him a lot, man. And for him not to be a big physical back, bro, he's probably one of the nicest running backs in the league. Right. And he's not even a big, huge guy, but he's an all-around back, and that's what people are looking for nowadays. The Austin Ecklers, the the Alvin Kamara's, the Saquon Barkley's. He's he's one of those guys.
0: Yeah, none of that crap about how the running back position is completely devalued right
5: yeah now it's starting to come back strong you look at these guys nowadays and you're seeing that you know some guys are getting the 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 big paycheck you know zeke opened the doors for that for a lot of the guys when it comes to getting that big paycheck so um you know him Gurley, all those guys open the doors for guys to get the big paycheck so the back the running back room is coming back and it is it should be valued because you you can't win without it he is sauce gardner sauce good to have you on how are you
6: Yes, sir. Hey, great to be here, man. Appreciate you for having me on. I'm great. How you doing?
0: Good, dude. Good. Yes, sir. Great to hear your voice. Listen, I understand that nothing is easy about transitioning from college ball to the NFL, but, man, you made it look that way. You're the one who was actually in it. So tell me, how did that first year feel to you in the league, and what were some of your biggest takeaways?
6: Uh, man, it felt great, you know, but i um, got to give huge credit to my coaches and especially my my teammates the veterans the ones who's been in, who who've been in this league because they just made my job way easier you know what i mean they just they gave me all the nuggets that i needed they told me everything the ins and outs of the league in terms of like the games and the competition and everything like that and the main thing they always told me just be myself cuz myself is good enough so you know uh, that helped me have a uh an outstanding season you know what i mean i still have a lot of stuff that i could could have did better for sure but i i would say that was the main thing and um one of my biggest takeaways is, you know, um, you're not too young to lead. You know, um, I came in as a rookie and I tried to lead as much as I can, as much as I could. You know, anything that I have seen, I always said something about it. You know, because I know, I know everyone held me to a high standard, and I try to do the same for everybody else as well. Sauce
0: Gardner joining us. I'm so glad you mentioned some of the vets. I wanted to ask you about one of the vets. I want to ask you about a guy that I absolutely love. Now, people who know, know about DJ Reed, I love this dude. I love him as a player. I love him as a guy. What was it like to share the defensive backfield with him? And then how much did he help you as a pro and to have a vet like that with you?
6: Man, it was great, man, since day one. <clears throat> you know, he always told me he didn't want any gray in the defense. You know, so he helped me eliminate as much gray as I could, you know, and um, he just led by example, and he was a vocal leader as well. You know, uh, man, I couldn't ask I, I couldn't ask for anything better than that. You know, he put he put everything on tape. He took care of his body. Everything that he did, I always watched, and it just helped. It just helped, helped me. So everything y'all see me doing is a direct reflection of, of what love, DJ did. I love uh, that. Guitar.
0: I love that. Suss Gardner joining us. You mentioned your coaches right at the very top. You know, I love, personally, I love Robert Sala because I'm the business of pushing content. And dude gives me lots of things to talk about. And I mean that in a positive sense, whether he's keeping receipts or he's talking about the process and comparing it to instant coffee. He's got my attention because I like that intensity. What's he like to play for? And then how much does the team feed off of his energy?
6: Uh, first of all, he's from Michigan, man. So, you know, I'm from Detroit. So, like, we clicked immediately. as Soon as I met him, so that's a plus right there. And also, man, he just brings that energy. Like you said, he gives you the content, the good content. He brings that energy, man. Like when I'm making a play, or if it's one of my brothers, my teammates making a play or plays, he's celebrating it. He's celebrating it as well. Like we we always put stuff up in the team meeting room. Have he on the field, jumping up and down, like you know, that's the type, that's the type of energy that we that we love. You know, especially having a lot of young talent. He loves saying stuff like that. So, yeah, and he's real genuine, man. You know, I love being around people who are genuine, you know, um, because I I feel like I'm a genuine person myself. So he's extremely genuine, genuine, and he he knows a lot about defense. So I love having defensive uh, head coaches. That's what you
0: want, right? You want somebody who can help you get better, and you want somebody who's real and genuine and will shoot you straight. You are partnering with Tums this week. What are
6: you doing, Sauce, with those folks? All right, so you know I got the nickname Sauce, so I love being I I love being um, very competitive. You know on game day, and Tums they coming out with a, a word guessing game. It's called Tums Worthy for this year's big game. So when they hit me up about it, I was all in because I'm a competitor. I love to compete, and that's something that I can uh that I can compete in.
0: I actually love that. Love the nickname. Love the partnership. Love, <laughs> love that that's the way you're approaching it. Really quickly, when you look at Sunday's matchup, what do you make of the job that Darius Slay and James Bradbury have done this season? What do you like about that
6: pairing? Man, they like that. You know, those uh, couple guys that me and DJ always talked about, you know, this season, like they have solid cornerback tandem, Solid cornerback uh, duo for sure, man. Uh, it's hard to throw on them. You can't just look at one and be like, all right, he's doing this, so I'm going to throw it the other one. It's hard to throw. It's hard to throw on their defense in general, but especially them two. You know, those, those they, they're elite for real.
0: They are for real. Sauce, I appreciate you. I've been wanting to talk to you. Great to have you on this show, man. would have been even better if I could see you here, but I'm going to take what I can get from you, Sauce. Really good to have you, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate you for having me. We are working things out on the row as we speak. Got a few minutes, only a few minutes My man, you got to sit down fast. Dana White, UFC president, is joining us. Dana, we're mid-segment, so we don't have as much time as we normally do. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Is he on? Can you hear Dana? Dana, how has 2023 been so far? (laughs) Crazy.
7: It's been a crazy year so far.
0: There you go. I got you. But good. It's been a good year. It's been crazy, but good. All right, so really quickly, UFC 284, Australia. You've got Makachev and Volkanovsky what do you think about that matchup? I mean, is this arguably the biggest fight you've ever had? Are we talking about the yeah. two best fighters in the world currently, pound for
7: pound? Yeah, it's, it's never happened before. Number one versus number two. Uh, both world champions. Obviously, Volkanovski moving up to try to take uh, Islam's title. It's, it's never happened before, so it's, it's, it's exciting. This is going to be one of the one of the uh, top five biggest fights ever in UFC history. Dan- as far as gate, pay-per-view, the list goes on so and on. So what do
0: you make of Islam pushing for that fight to be in volks home country
7: i love that i love that and, you know uh there's a lot of posturing you know guys will come out publicly and say oh i want to fight this guy then behind the scenes will be like yeah but we're not going here i don't want to do this i don't want to do that he's walking right into enemy territory and you know uh and, and wants to beat him in his in his home country right. i love that on the flip side what's it say about volk that he's willing
0: to go up and wait to fight this guy
7: 100 uh, percent. you know that's why you got number one, number two, pound for pound in the world. I mean, these guys are two of the best in the world. They're both in their prime. They're both world champions, and they're both willing to face each other. I mean, this is this is the big problem that boxing had. You know, guys would talk about it, but, you know, it would never happen. You know, these type of fights never happen when they should. But... Here it does. Well, that's the thing, right? You want the big fights. The best have to fight the best. What's your reaction, Dan, to Islam saying that you have not done enough to promote the fight? Yeah, it's not true. First of all, I've talked to Islam. Uh, you know, first of all, who, who, who interviewed him? Who translated for him? I mean, the guy speaks Russian. You know, he, he, taken out of context like most of the things in the media.
0: <laughs> Dana White joining us. He, wait, he, are you saying that he didn't
7: say that or you set him straight first, on that? First of all, he lives in Dagestan. What does he know about what's going on for the promotion of the fight? He doesn't know anything. It's it's going to be one of the one of the top five biggest fights of all time. First of all, the event sold out, right? You couldn't get a ticket if you wanted to get a ticket in Perth, um, and this thing is trending right now to be the biggest pay-per-view event in in Australia, which. It's, it's like 6% behind the Conor McGregor Poirier 3 fight. Uh, you know, it's probably going to break the record. So to say that the fight hasn't been, it's, it's just ridiculous. All right, so that, I- that's, 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 that's what you call some internet BS.
0: Internet BS. What else would be considered internet BS? Oh, there's tons of it. Talk to
7: me. We, we, we don't have enough time. I think I only got six minutes with you. Uh, there, there's tons of internet BS. You know, it, if you listen to the internet and you let them, uh, you know, affect or determine how you live your life or run your business, you're making a big mistake. Dan, it's really key what you just said. Like you don't want a few people
0: on Twitter dictating policy, but I think it's pretty naive to think that people don't pay attention to that and it does
7: matter. How much does it matter to you? Not at all, I tune all that out. And, and, and the media too. If the media says, I'll give you an example, the power slap league that I got right now, You know, the media has been, been smashing it since it came out. If the media says it's bad, you got a winner on your hands. You know you got a winner. <laughs> the media knows nothing. <laughs> They know nothing. All right. So when, in terms of power slap, when did slap fighting first come to your attention? And what do you like about it? Um, it started in 2017. I started seeing it on social media and I, and I was intrigued by it. So I started, you know, a deeper dive into it. And I started looking at some of the numbers this thing was pulling on, on, uh, on the internet and I was blown away. So started working on it back then. Then the pandemic hits in 20. And uh, Wait, is the internet bullcrap or not? what yeah like we were talking about the no, i'm talking about numbers crap, but, when i saw but, numbers but some of the numbers are legit though oh, yeah numbers i'm talking about well the numbers don't lie mm-hmm. i mean if you look at something that goes viral and and you look at how many people are watching it you know that that's a fact and uh i was surprised by the numbers so just to fast forward for you we start we start powerslap uh three weeks ago i started a TikTok. For power slap, it's got 1.7 million followers in three weeks and 690 million views on TikTok in in less than three weeks, hmm. right? And then and then if you look at Instagram, you know we have got over 100 million views on Instagram in three weeks. So I was right about the numbers. The numbers are there, and uh, and if, and if you want to look at the ratings on, on TBS. It's the only thing that's held 50% of the AEW uh, the, uh, wrestling that, 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 that is our lead-in. And we're number two with all of men on cable every so, every Wednesday so, Dan, night if the, if behind the, TV, the NBA.
0: If the TV numbers are great and the social media is great, then what do you make of the pushback
7: and the reaction to it? Oh, well, it's the same thing that happened with the UFC. When, when the UFC started back in 2001— everybody's like oh this is horrible this is terrible this isn't a real sport these guys can get hit and go to the ground and somebody can jump on top of them this is brutal this is that we heard all that so i've heard all this before with with, uh, with the ufc now you know everybody you know multiple generations have grown up with the ufc and, it, and, it, and it's become different the other thing that people are talking about is how dangerous this is oh my is god is it is it more dangerous than mma Well, let me put it to you this way, okay? So if you look from, first of all, there's nobody bigger on health and safety than me when it comes to health and safety of our athletes. If you make sure, and it's not cheap, it's expensive, that you have all the proper medical testing done before these guys compete. You make it as safe as you could possibly make a combat sport. Let me ask you this, because we're
0: running out of time and I want to ask you before you go. The difference to me, we've got one minute, so help me with this. These guys cannot defend themselves like somebody can in the cage, right? Right. Is that not the difference? So
7: even if you can defend yourself in boxing, guys take 400 to 600 punches per fight. These guys take three slaps or less during an event, right? 2001 to 2023, you know how many people have died in the UFC or been seriously injured? Zero. 2001 to 2023, you know how many people have died in boxing? 34. So you're talking about the wrong, you know, you're talking about the wrong sport here.
0: You have your numbers. Has anybody been seriously hurt yet in power slap? Not in power slap, no. No. Good night, night.